Shack Index, where we talk about basketball cards on a budget. Nathaniel and I are very happy to introduce Gary from Hoops and Cards onto our podcast this week. We are also on his podcast, so definitely go check out the Hoops and Cards podcast. We highly recommend it. Without further ado, let's get started. Well, welcome, Gary, to the NASDAQ Index. Gary from Hoops and Cards, the podcast that Camden introduced me to and that I listen out to every episode of. Um, it's an honor to have you on here. Hey, it's an honor to be on here. How's it going, guys? Doing good. Great. Welcome, Gary. It's, I wanted to let our listeners know that I am a proud Hoops Plus subscriber. Awesome. Your, and I uh, definitely love the content that you've been producing. I've learned a lot from you over the all the episodes that you've been doing. Actually, honestly, you are probably our biggest inspiration behind starting the NASDAQ Index. So thank you for being here. Awesome. Well, it's an honor to be here and it's a blast listening to your podcast too. Like I said, I love the uh, the draft of 30 different players that you guys did back and forth on the buying uh, <laughs> you know, on your picks. So uh, no, love listening to you guys and excited to watch like our podcast grow. Like I think we need more basketball card content you know, that's, that's relevant to people, um, just collectors and investors. So you guys are doing it. Thank you. One thing we really appreciate about, I think that we're on the same page with is that you like to talk about basketball cards on a budget and that's, that's our tagline. So that's something, you know, I think when we first started listening to different podcasts, there was certain ones, a lot of them that would talk about the $5,000 card that they just bought or, and right. which just, they would describe as a mid-tier card they'd be like yeah uh, right. Right. Mid, mid-tier value two thousand to ten thousand dollars and crazy yeah just seems so unapproachable yeah so yeah. it's great to have a podcast like yours where you talk about the five dollar tyrese maxi prism card you bought rather than the you know crazy one-of-one cards that we can't own yeah. And yeah, that's right. That's part of why I started uh, Hoops is because I heard five or six sports card podcasts that were A, they weren't talking enough about basketball and B, when they did talk about cards, it was super expensive. And I'm like, I'm just playing with, you know, tens and twenties, not thousands and <laughs> whatever, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So. so we wanted to ask you about how hoops plus came to be how did you decide to start a podcast and what was that process like for you yeah um i have been in like communications and public speaking for a long time uh like professionally and then hearing several of my friends that started podcasts i always thought i had one in me or two or three um so i've been thinking about this for 10 years and then the last two years getting back into sports cards, basketball cards, um, listening to other podcasters who, and you guys know this too, like sometimes a new podcast will start about sports cards or about basketball. And then three months later, it's, it's done. Like they, they, they don't stick with it or they, they, how can I say this? Um, there's not like a, a, a chemistry or an energy that's sustainable uh, you know, and something that they love enough to talk about week, week to week. Um, and so I was always looking for more content, more about basketball cards, more about cards on a budget, more about the guys I was looking at. And it was like, 
uh, I actually started this podcast in my car as I was driving around with nobody else listening and not recording it. Like it was a pretend podcast. <laughs> first, just me talking to myself in the car. I'm an only child. I have issues. Right? Like, um, but I was like, okay. Yeah. And so finally, at some point, I have a friend who uh, actually two guys around the same time, a little over a year ago that were like, just do it. What, what do you have to lose? And hey, it's free to start something like this. You don't have to be super tech savvy. You know, you don't have to have, I don't have like a recording studio per se, you know, it's, um, do you have something that you love to talk about? And, you know, would you do it if people are there to listen or not? Cause I'm not doing this to make money or build a massive audience. Right. And you guys aren't either, but yeah. the crazy thing with podcasts is uh, people that love the same things will find you right? Yeah. They'll, they'll find you and they'll stick with you. And so, so I finally took the plunge uh, last March. So a little over 12 months and uh, congratulations. And right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. It's a, uh, yeah. One year birthday of hoops and cards. And <laughs> I found uh, you in July. I think I found you in July of last year. Okay. So a few months in. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. When I launched it, I thought this would be like, Oh, dude, it's going to be a year of the, the basketball card hobby profiting like crazy, you know, another 3x, yeah. another 300%. Because the previous year was off the charts with right. Zion and Ja. Yeah, not the case. <laughs> yeah, you jumped in at the peak of the market. <laughs> right, right. I wish I had jumped in a year earlier, but I'm just, I'm not the first adopter. You know, I'm not the, the first to innovate, but um, I'm glad I jumped in. So, yeah. We're glad you are too. Uh, Camden found you in July, told me about you, and we've both been listening since. Um, how do you feel like things are going with the podcast a year in? Like, what lessons have you learned? What wisdom do you have for us as a seasoned podcaster? Uh, I'm glad I picked something that I, like I said, I love to talk about. And right now, after being in it a year, um, it is when we talked about the Cavs, you know, earlier on, on another episode, um, I, I love the NBA, love what I'm able to do just as a collector and investor. And so to meet other people, to talk about things I'm learning, that's, that's a blast. Uh, right now it's easy because we have the all-star game and the playoffs, right? We've got new products. It was hard. I want to say in December. Um, and I, have, I even had some listeners reach out to me like, are you still there? Like what's going on? I didn't have an episode for like 10 days. And like, are you okay? And I'm like, well, I mean, life happens. You know, this isn't our full-time jobs uh, for one. And for two, it was um, a frustrating season market-wise. Like, how do you talk about the market being down again for, you know, six or seven months straight? <laughs> so I knew it wouldn't be all growth. I mean, I knew there'd be seasons like this, but I didn't know it, there would be times where it's like, okay, I got to come up with a focus, you know, to this episode and I got to be, I want to be real with people, but also be encouraging, you know, um, and, and entertaining. So I think things I've learned is uh, you, you can't do this alone and shouldn't. Right. So I, I love having guests on and being a guest on others. Um, I've also learned like as exciting as it is when something goes well, like you buy a card and you make money and you're able to share it and others might get, you know, gain from that same win because they do it. 
Other times it's like, no, I blew it. I bought in on this thing too late or I paid too much or I believed in this player and no NBA team does right now, Nikhil, you know. (laughs) I mean, I'm glad I didn't invest big dollar money in some of these guys that are named Zion, you know. Um, um, So I've I've learned some lessons. That's Um, a rough one. That's a rough one right there for lots of source for a lot of people. Oh, it is. It is. And I wasn't saying that mocking. I'm saying that like, that's just a reality of this, of this hobby. Like we do need to talk about the hits we take too. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and I like, I, I have a uh, Luca rookie that I sold at a loss. Uh, I finally had to admit, look, it, that card doesn't feel about me the way I feel about it. <laughs> I felt when I bought it, like I, for me, buying that big card was like, I've made, probably made episodes about it or something like, uh, but at some point you got to say, take your lumps. Right. And, right. and lump them. lumps. So, yeah. 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 Sunk cost. Yep. Sunk cost. Yeah. So Gary, we didn't really prep you for this, but we wanted to ask you about strategies for buying cards under $10. We just thought that'd be something that, you know, our listeners for both of our podcasts would be, interested in and it's something i feel like you would be able to speak on very well even off the cuff here and uh so do you have any tips for buying cards under ten dollars that are really going to be a good strategy for our listeners yeah um and i would love to hear your tips too because i'm i'm just going to share a few things that have worked for me with basketball cards lately um most most dealers, most guys that own a card shop, they are they are involved in three sports and beyond, right? They're also into getting into more soccer now, Pokemon. They have to stay profitable in all seasons, and it, and it makes total sense to me. But as they're doing all those things, they can't possibly keep up with the basketball card market like we who specialize do. So so I've been able to find like in in a couple of shops lately autograph cards and autograph rookies of of like lesser known players uh like like today there was a spencer dinwiddie autograph card in a guy's five dollar box and i'm really? like i'm like does he even know who spencer dinwiddie is right and and if luca and spencer dinwiddie i mean he there was a there was a night uh, maybe it was a week ago where luca didn't play and spencer scored like 38 he's he's a a, a scorer he can anyway if I can find a, an autograph of a player for $7 or less, that's a current player that's actually getting NBA minutes. There's a lot of those contenders draft pick autos of guys who never played in the league. Like I I don't, I don't just go for the autograph. I look for guys that that are playing or that have a recognizable name and their autograph card is less than $10. And I think that could be a good deal. Um, That could be a quick flip. Like I have, um, beginning of basketball season, I bought a Lou Dort auto for 10 bucks and I sold it like three days later for 40 online. Sometimes it's just knowing who Lou Dort is, right? Um, another yeah. one like a month ago was Amir Coffee. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember you doing great on Amir Coffee. <laughs> yeah, Amir Coffee. I bought his, it's, it was like an orange cracked ice prism auto for five bucks. I'm like, Paul That's George amazing. is out. Paul George is out. Amir Coffee is playing. I'm just going to buy it. And and then I looked it up after buying it. I looked it up, you know, in the car and it was selling for 30. So right there, I, so I'm thinking autos of current players. That's one. 
a, a second thing that uh, that I think you guys we've talked a little bit about when you know that uh, a card is buying or a player is buying and selling on eBay for a range. I'm trying to think of a good example. I guess I'll use let me use Tyrese Halliburton to go with the, the other it. Tyrese. Um, like when Tyrese got traded to Indiana and then he's getting more playing time, a Tyrese uh, base prism, or maybe better yet, like a, a green prism. No, not the, not the more expensive silver, like a green prism. Some people will list that as a $7 card and it'll sell. Others will list it as a buy it now for $19.99 and it will sell. Hmm. And I'm like, because some people realize Tyrese Halliburton is a future all-star and you're getting a, you're getting a colored prism parallel rookie, right? Yeah. So, so in, for some people, right. especially in Indiana, it's worth 20 bucks, but for people in Akron, Ohio, you know, they're going to, they're going to dump them. They yeah. don't know who they've got. Same thing with Desmond Bain, some of these players, but it doesn't have to be one of those guys. It could even be like a nice looking insert of a LeBron James, like the My House Silver Hollow. For some people, that's a that's a five or ten dollar card. For others, they'll just sell it on eBay for 30. Because hmm. people buy LeBron's silver stuff. Yeah. You know, so so I don't know, I, I don't know if I can anybody can be an expert on all players and cards that way, but if you're paying attention to what cards are doing up and down, I know another guy, another collector who he'll buy cards on uh, eBay auctions that end on like Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday, huh. like middle of the day when those auctions aren't being bid up to high prices, they'll get the card and then list it on an auction to end on Sunday night at nine, right? Huh. When everybody, that's like the eBay hours are Sunday night from seven to 10 is yeah. when most of the world, like the, the, the highest percentage, right, of buyers are on. So you can even just do a buying and selling flipping strategy based on the time of the week. Yeah. Like, or, or on like the games these guys have in the next coming week, like schedule one. I did this with football, schedule a, a Joe Burrow auction to end like in the fourth quarter of a Bengals game when people will be saying, dude, he's got 300 yards and four touchdowns and they're impulse buying. That's so awesome. I, I rambled for a bit, but like I'm, I'm learning the hard way. There, there are good rhythms, right? Or good, good um, buying opportunities out there. Yeah, I think similarly to what you're saying, we've almost exclusively bought cards as auctions and then sold them as buy it nows. Just yes. because with the buy it nows, you know exactly what you're going to get. And with the auctions, you don't. So sometimes people don't happen to be following an auction. You can get it for a great price and then you list it for market value. And there you go. There's a little bit of profit. Yeah. I think what you're saying uh, is really helpful to me. Like I almost exclusively buy on eBay. And I think that that's a, you know, I don't have that same going to a dealer dealer shop where the person is special, isn't specialized in anything. Um, and then you can get that arbitrage of the, you know, they don't yet know about Tyrese Halliburton. So I, I think that's a place where as COVID hopefully lessens, I, I can be more out there doing the in-person stuff. And I think that could really help with these cheaper card flips. And then I think another area of growth for me is I almost ignore anything that's not a rookie card. So you're talking about the like LeBron, my house or whatever. And I just don't even ever think about those kind of cards. So I, I think that's an area where we're missing out on opportunities for sure. I probably talk about net marvels too much. Like <laughs> as, an, as another example of, 
hey, there's there's a good looking card that's popular, but not necessarily rookies. I kind of wish they had thrown some rookies in, you know, the last year. Yeah. But. So one thing I was almost a little jealous of, Gary, is whenever you talk about going to card shows, mm. because that's not an opportunity that, you know, where I live, my, you know, it's not something that happens all that often. And um, it seems like you're able to, where you live, in your neck of the woods in Ohio, basically where you're going to card shows on a fairly regular basis, which I think is really cool. I, in Boise, we might have three or four a year. There's not very many of them. There's, there's a couple local card shops, but it's pretty few and far between on that even too. But have you done well at finding good cards? I, I think you cut off for a second. You said, have you done well at finding good card? Yeah, I couldn't hear the end of what he said either. I think he was just asking you if you've done well at oh. card shows. Yeah, I... Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, my internet's uh, acting up, I think. That's okay. Uh, you know, I I do think I'm in a unique location. Like, I'm where, where I... And, and where there are a, a good number of regular shows now, we're like less than two hours from Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Detroit. And we're like, so we're like in a great location where you've got such strong pro fan bases, right? That, yeah. that have been collecting and buying and selling cards religiously. Some of these guys for their whole life, like there's a lot of full-time uh, dealers that have been doing this for decades. And, and in our area, there's, there's two guys uh, that have taken, I don't know if this is, if this has become their full-time business, but they have become show planners and promoters. So oh. they, they organize the shows, they communicate about the shows. They started uh, actually a third one. Now that I think about it, they, they promote the shows on social media. Like they recruit all the dealers, they recruit all the shops from Columbus and from Pittsburgh. So sometimes I'll go to the, the, the Hartville card show. That's like five minutes from my house. I'll go there and there will be guys that drove five or six hours really? from different parts of Pennsylvania or Michigan. But a lot of the people that are there are from Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Columbus, like from that area. So I, I mean, I'm lucky and I, I would be jealous of me. I, I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could spread the love, man. Wish Boise was closer, but yeah, I've, I've had, I've had good luck at those yeah. about like, like flipping or investing there. Just tips for finding cards that shows that um you know on a budget do you have how do you do that at a, at a show do you what's your process i guess sure um i have a good pair of reading glasses because i'm going to be looking at a lot of cards <laughs> i i am going to be looking at a lot of cards i look at the the i used to go to the dollar box first and now i go to the five dollar box and within within the first I don't know, hundred cards. I can kind of tell what this guy thinks his cards are worth, and if he has insane values on things, I'm ready to move to the next table. Yeah, you know, some some guys overvalue their cards. Uh, in fact, I I left a a shop kind of confused last week where I the guy had a lot of those you know those real cheap. Uh, they're in they're in um, Chronicles packs. They're real cheap, like Panini Prestige or print Panini Impact or Panini Playbook. Playbook, yes, <laughs> yes. The the real cheap versions of like you can still get a 
you know, a John Morant rookie of those for like $2 or something. Well, he had, he had a stack of Darius Garland's of those El Cheapo version cards. And he wanted $5 each for those. That's ridiculous. And, and I'm like, does he know? He's like, oh yeah, they're going on eBay for more. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> they're not going on eBay. <laughs> like, you might get a lot of 20 of those for, for $4. Like they're not, um, but I wasn't going to argue with the guy. And I don't say that. I just go to the next shop or the next yeah. table. And so one of the benefit I have too, Camden is like the, the two shops in town here, one's real close to the pro football hall of fame. And it's every month like clockwork, same, same dealers. So I know like by now I know which four guys I'm going to first that they always have current basketball stuff. They have reasonable prices or they'll do a bundle deal. They have a dollar or $2 boxes that are at least reasonable, you know, and, um, and sometimes they will have like off to the side of their dollar box, they'll have a, you know, a glass case with uh, good cards. And sometimes there's a, a great card in there that I want. Like I picked up a Tyrese Maxi uh, silver mosaic with the like wavy prism look. I got a deal on that because it was in his good case in a bundle deal with a, like hundred cards I got. So mm. I think because it's regular, <clears throat> that's helped me have a better strategy. I, I've been saying to people, if you don't have a shop or a show in your town, like I'm so glad, number one, there's so many other like buying and selling online opportunities. But number two, maybe someone needs to start one. It doesn't have to be you, but maybe there's, I mean, Boise is a big town. There may be yeah, it's like- It's growing too, very much. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got friends <laughs> that live there and friends that have moved there and you're, you're my friend, right? But like- Absolutely. <laughs> there, there are probably a thousand people in Boise feeling what you're feeling right now. Like, I wish there was a regular big, you know, I'm tired of hearing about the Dallas show. Give me the Boise show. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, right, Wolf, yeah. Jeff Wilson coming to town, bring some of his photo. <laughs> but seriously, maybe there's, I've, I've had that too from listeners to our podcast, like in, in Australia and Germany, they're like, we love listening to you, but we wish there was something in our town. And I'm like, yeah, I feel you. Like I, I wish there was too. And maybe it's coming. So, yeah. Oh, that's how, good. I like that. How much do you negotiate when you're at a card show? When you, see a card for $5, do you say, will you give that to me for $3? Or how, how do you deal with that? It, it depends on the card and the guy, honestly. Like, and, and you guys know um, when, you're, when you're buying a card, you already have an idea kind of what it's worth. And like, for example, um, there, was, there was one deal last week at a show where I had picked out seven or eight cards and I knew in my mind what they were worth. And the guy quoted me a price that was like $30 less. Oh, wow. And, and I'm like, deal. <laughs> I, you know, there's a part of me that's like, should I, should I say, how about, about uh, 55? And I'm like, dude, he's already giving you a 30% discount on cards that you, <laughs> you would have paid him more for. So, um, and I want to buy from him again. You know, so I, I always, yeah. I always kind of try to read it and feel it. Yeah. Um, if That's if good. he had, if he if he would have said a hundred, like which was the value of those cards together, I would have said, or I would have like paused because sometimes a guy will say, but actually I'll give them to you for eighty. Like if you can tell you're hesitating, he'll say actually, you know, for you, it's funny the things people say, but like for you, who I just met eighteen seconds ago, 
Like, I will, I will give you the, the, the friends and family discount, right? Um, but I would, here's the thing. This guy said $70 and I'm like, hmm, because I'm pondering, like, part of me just wants to say deal. Part of me wants to pause and see if he's going to like, but I'll actually take 60, you know? Um, I paused for about two minutes and looked at some other cards. He didn't, he didn't budge. And I didn't want to counter because it was already a good deal. I just said, let's do it. You know, um, I'll say this. Uh, if you, if you are going to a show, I usually bring, you know, I, I stop and get cash on the way mm. or, even, or to a, uh, to card shop because cash is King number one. And number two, a lot of guys still don't take PayPal. You know, yeah. I would say, I would say three out of four here do, but it's good to ask that question before you make your offer or before you negotiate, like, do you take I know they take cash, but like, if I only have, right. I want to confirm that before there's this awkward. Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. That's smart. So, so Gary, I wanted to pivot a little bit and uh, sure. get your thoughts on this. Uh, but, oh, before I do that, actually, I love we're, we're on zoom right now and I love yeah, your yeah. hoops and cards. Uh, <clears throat> uh, sure that you, they're your representative that representing. That's great. Yeah, I want to see some Nasdaq swag someday. Yeah, <laughs> we, we got to do yeah, that, we'll Camden. I know it. I know it. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, but what about what are your thoughts on this current rookie class of of guys? Who are you looking at as potential investments or even uh, PC guys in this current rookie class? As like PC and solid, these are. They're going to be long-term good or great players. I've focused in on Evan Mobley for sure. Um, I'm starting to partially because I, I keep checking in on Kevin Porter Jr. to see if he'll like reawaken, you know, as a scorer. Uh, I, so I notice what Jalen Green is doing. And uh, for a kid so young, it's pretty good. It's just not consistent, right? He's a gunner. Yeah. Jalen Green yeah. has enormous upside though. And everybody loves uh, what he could be. It's fun to watch. Um, but I'm looking for, you know, a guy, you know, those guys that weren't drafted in the top five or six, the guys that most people don't know about. And, you know, in, in previous years, I'm, I'm, you know, I zero in on, Hey, everybody's chasing Zion and Ja and maybe RJ Barrett, but what about Darius Garland? What about Kevin Porter jr? What about Jordan Poole? You know, Keldon Johnson, uh, for, for this past year, everybody's about LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, but I'm like, okay, I want to get one, but what about who below them, like Desmond Bain and Tyrese Maxey and how for this current class after the elite players, I'm not in love with anybody yet. And so I, I don't have an answer for you. Like I like Cameron Thomas from Brooklyn. I like him a lot. Um, I don't like his situation there and I don't know enough about him yet to say, I'm going to invest um, same way with IO. I'm saying it right now. IO yeah. is true. And I, yeah. and I am leaning towards guards in some of this conversation, but I'm also starting to look at who are the guys I don't really know much yet about, but they went to Kentucky because yeah. the Kentucky guys after a few yeah. years, Oh, Oh, Devin Booker's awesome. Oh, De'Aaron Fox <laughs> is awesome. Oh, you know, Tyrese Maxey, maybe next year we'll all agree that he's awesome. Like, um, <laughs> I'm just the Kentucky guys. And here's the thing though, Kentucky recruits the best talent, right? And sometimes they'll get like five of the 10 best kids in the country. Well, a year later, they're still the best talents. It's just, 
how are their they going to grow up? Situation matters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah their situation yeah, so, matters. So I want to be in love with somebody, and I I don't love Chris Duarte. I I think Scotty Barnes is has potential, but he's a top five pick. You know, I. What about uh Wagner? What do you think about him? Uh, Franz. Franz Wagner. Yeah. Um. I love him as a player. I don't love Orlando. Yeah, you know, that, goes, that goes into the equation for us. Like I, I don't, there, there are guys too. I, I liked Poku for a while last year. I liked some of the prospects for Oklahoma city and they're not going anywhere. They, they have to do something. So I, <laughs> Wagner, like he looked like a rookie of the year candidate the first month of the season. Right. Yeah. Last yeah. I knew he was still leading rookies and scoring. I don't know if that's still the case, but Recently, that was the case. But yeah, I agree. He's he's Orlando, so no one cares. And, uh, and here's the other thing, you guys. Um, since we haven't had a major valuable set from this year come out yet, and not just Prism or Select, but like National Treasure, like any of those with the Cade Cunninghams, I don't really know how expensive some of these guys are going to be. You know, like how much demand or yeah. how much people will be paying for a Cade rookie? Is it going to be big or will it be nowhere near what we were doing for LaMelo and zion so yeah the market hasn't really set yet i think there's a lot of questions still even though we're starting to get pro uniform hoops and donruss are out now but yeah i don't think we quite know what the market's going to be like it i kind of expected mobley to be a little higher already yeah you know and i don't know we've necessarily seen that so yeah yeah. when i listen Um, to the kind of generalist podcasts they seem to talk about this class is being underwhelming. I mean, I, I totally disagree with that, but I think um, the market perception might be that this class isn't that great, which maybe maybe that could be an opportunity then to get Mobley if he's not coming out expensive. Usually right. I think I think of rookie cards the year they come out as being too expensive for me to be super interested in them, but maybe this, maybe this year people's perception is gonna lead to an opportunity. I, I agree. And I remember, again, being the Cavs fan with the third pick overall. Everything we heard was this was like one of the most talent filled drafts in years. And the fact that we could get Evan Mobley, who might be a number one pick in other years, that we could get him at three. So I don't understand why the market hasn't realized that yet, that it's a good class. Especially when you see like, when does a rookie make this impact like Evan Mobley's made like that? Yeah. Rookies almost never lead to winning and he's totally doing that. He's changed so much for for you guys, which has been awesome to watch. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome to have Gary from Hoops and Cards on our podcast. We're gonna do a part two soon, so be looking out for that. Uh, You can follow Gary on Instagram, It's at Hoops and Cards. Also, definitely we recommend his podcast, Hoops and Cards. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.